Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Today, my friend Paige Peterson joins me. I've known Paige for almost 20 years, but it really was Jackson's death that brought our friendship to a deeper level. And I share a little bit about this at the beginning of our conversation. Paige has been a huge help to our family in grief, and sadly, that's because she has been acquainted with grief herself. Paige has dealt with many losses over the years, including her younger brother taking his own life. This is a tough topic to talk about, but I just know that Paige's willingness to share this part of her story will be a help for many of you listening. We need to get better at talking about death and grief, and yes, even suicide. It's a part of living in this broken world, and when grieving families are isolated or treated awkwardly, it just adds to their pain and heartache. So I'm thankful for Paige's courage and openness, and I know you will just love hearing her heart. Hi, Paige. Hi, Jody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, I'm so glad that we could have this conversation today, and I'd love to just have you introduce yourself as we get started. Well, I am Paige, and I live in Oakland, Nebraska with my husband. I've been there for 33 years. We've been married for 32 of those. We have four grown children, three boys and a girl. Our boys are biological, and our girl is adopted from Romania. And we also have a very, very beautiful daughter-in-law, and we are expecting our first grandchild in July. I know. I'm so excited for you guys. I can't wait. That's going to be a whole fun new season. (laughs) Well, I just want to take a few minutes here at the beginning to tell the listeners a little bit about our friendship. Um, You and I have known each other for a long time. Um, Our families have um, a lot of connections, but really until Jackson died, I would say that we were basically acquaintances, wouldn't you say? I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did do some things together over the years. Uh, You were good friends with my brother Merritt's family, and um, but our friendship and our relationship really deepened in the weeks and the months following Jackson's death. And as I've talked to other people who have experienced the death of a loved one um, or who have gone through some other kind of trauma or hard circumstance... Um, It seems that there's usually about three main things that happen with the people in your life. Um, Number one, people who you knew would be there for you are there. Number two, people who you thought would be there um, aren't there. And then number three, um, people who you would never have guessed would be there um, surprise you by being there for you. And they enter into your life and become these unexpected and beautiful companions. And often it's because of their own journey and that they are already familiar with grief or hard things in life. And I feel like this describes what happened between us, Paige. And um, if I would have made a list before Jackson died of the people who I thought would surround me and sit on that morning bench with me, um, not just initially, but for years, um, I don't know if I would have added you on that list. And that's not because you're not an amazing person, because you are, but it's just because we didn't know each other very well. And I would never expect that from someone who already wasn't a close friend or a family member. Um, But right after the funeral, you stepped up and you stepped in. And I just remember feeling like you really knew how to help and how to comfort and you wanted to be there for me. And that just meant a lot because um, a grieving person can tell when someone feels like they should be there. And we're well aware of the weight of all that we're putting on our family and our friends and just really feel like a big burden and such a downer because we are. I mean, death and grief is heavy and it's costly for those who stick around to walk with us. So to hear the message from you um, loud and clearly that you wanted to help me carry this burden, that it wasn't out of obligation or feeling like you had to, 
and that you were also committed not just for a few weeks or months, but um, but long term. Um, that just really meant a lot, Paige. Um, and you've been there for me, and not just for me, but for our family. And you did some really sweet things for our kids, which always speaks love to a hurting mom. Um, and I just, I wanted to share all of this to thank you, but also just to help others know that if God is laying someone on your heart to reach out to or to walk alongside of, just do it. Even if you're not in their inner circle, just um, don't assume that people ha- already have other people reaching out or that they have enough people surrounding them or loving on them or praying for them or supporting them. They may have a lot of people around them, but if you think you can offer more, more encouragement, comfort, and help, um, Maybe you'll be the one in that third category of somebody's life when their world is falling apart and be that unexpected companion like you have been for me, Paige. So thank you, friend. Well, thank you. I was glad to do it. Yeah. Well, all this being said, um, there sadly was a reason that you were equipped to step up like you did. Um, You are acquainted with grief and you've had a lot of loss in your life and um, that began began in high school um, and has continued until even just recently. So will you just take a few minutes and and share um, kind of some of your experience with death and loss? Sure. When I was in high school, I had a couple of grandparents and a great-grandparent pass away within six weeks of each other, and that was, that was traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. But the most recent, well, not the most recent one, but 12 years ago, my brother took his life. It's just my sister and me and him, and he was our baby brother. Mm. And my mom at the time was going through breast cancer. She was on her final radiation treatments. Mm. And it's a very, very sad thing. It was a very hard thing for our entire family. He had three kids. He was only 35. His kids were nine, four, and two. Mm. Now they're almost 21, 17, and 15. Mm. And he lived in Indiana. I'm here in Nebraska. My parents were in Florida. So you can imagine the complication and the confusion. But I remember that day like it was yesterday. Mm. I, uh, my husband and I are Sunday school teachers. We, we taught high school, Sunday school at that time. And I remember waking up with just an excruciating headache. It was, it was just awful. And Steve and I, we tag team on teaching. It was my week to teach. So thought I better just put my my big boy britches on and big girl britches on and Mm. head and teach Sunday school. So that's what I I did. I muddled through it, Mm. came home, laid down. My head was just killing me. I could not figure out why. And Steve came in and he was pale and he had the phone and he told me that my brother had taken his Mm. life. Mm. He told me that my brother had taken taken his life and that Savannah wanted to talk to me and Savannah was his nine-year-old daughter and I remember just picking up the phone and just screaming no no Mm -hmm. no and we Mm -hmm. cried together and um, tried to do the best I could do to comfort her when I was shocked and I had no idea what to do but I told her I would be there very very soon and I I did I got a plane ticket right away and Mm -hmm headed there the next day and of course my parents they were devastated I mean their their youngest son took took his life and my sister was devastated my mom was going through radiation it was just a very sad sad and confusing time so the following days were they were a blur I remember Mm -hmm. people coming to the house and Mm -hmm. trying to comfort me and I I appreciated that so much 
I probably couldn't tell you who came and who went, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. Um, my I'm brother so and I, the last time that we saw my mom together, we were shaving her head. And then all of a sudden we were planning his funeral. Mm. It's, it was not a natural progression, Mm-mm. not a natural progression at all. He was only 35 years old. And then when you add suicide on top of that, it's just, mm-hmm. it was awful. Mm-hmm. Awful. I'm so sorry, Paige. And that is so hard. And, and like you said, I mean, people are uncomfortable with death as it is. And then to add the suicide piece on top of it, I would imagine adds a whole other uncomfortable dimension and um I'm just wondering how how have you how have you addressed that how have you handled that I mean has it held you back from talking about it and sharing about it or have you decided just to confront the awkwardness um what does that look like for you it's different for me than it is for maybe other members of my family I have some members of my family that are pretty quiet about it I'm a very vocal person and I wear my heart on my sleeve so Mm -hmm. I needed to talk about it that's what's helped me with my healing so I I do share about it very freely in fact I remember making a Facebook post after Robin Williams had died Mm -hmm. just about my story and how suicide had impacted our family and so I'm I'm okay with being vocal about it sometimes it makes people uncomfortable because they don't know what to say Mm -hmm. Um, but most most of the times people are pretty comforting Mm -hmm. what do you want people to know about losing someone to suicide that it's okay to not have all the answers to the questions about why your loved one took their life. Mm. Our family has speculated mm-hmm. and we've come up with some reasons, but we weren't in his head. Right. And I just think about that dark, dark place that mm-hmm. he must have been. Nobody wants to leave their kids, especially a nine, four and a two year old. Mm-hmm. No one mm-hmm. wants that. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine being there thinking that that is the best option Mm-hmm. for everybody else around you. I know I've heard several times that people call it a selfish act. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is extremely hurtful. I'm already grieving. Mm-hmm. I didn't right. want that to right. happen. And I'm right. assuming he had some mental issues going on. Mm-hmm. He was in a very dark place. I don't want to think of it as a selfish act. Mm-hmm. It is something that was just extremely traumatic mm-hmm. that happened. Mm-hmm. And his life ended suddenly and it was violent. Yeah, yeah. So people should not say it's a selfish act. What's, what's some things that people could say that would might bring comfort or people, something that maybe somebody did or, or said to you that was helpful in regards to someone taking their own life? What has been most helpful to me is I had a friend a lot of years ago and she had lost her brother to a drug addiction. And so I watched her as she walked through that. And then just a year before, I had a special friend who lost her brother to cancer, mm-hmm. and I, I was on that journey with her. I, mm-hmm. I talked to her nearly every day. We talked about her brother, and he died on my 40th birthday, mm-hmm. and his birthday is on my son's birthday. Mm-hmm. So we were always going to have a tie there, but walking her through that, and I, I remembered telling her at the very end, I said, Joan, you have to let him go. Mm-hmm. It's time to let him go. His faith is strong. You know where he's going. It's time to let him go. Mm-hmm. And those words came resonating back to me. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't want to let my brother go, he was gone. Mm-hmm. So I had to face that reality. Mm-hmm. But had I not walked through that with my friend, 
I think it would have made it more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as you look back, I'm sure your whole family grieved in different ways. You said they've responded in different ways too, which is normal and, and to be expected. But um, I think siblings can kind of get lost in the shuffle, especially to how um, people respond to the family after a big loss. Um, there were so many times for our family when we were out and people would rush to hug Eric and me and ask how we were doing and our kids just kind of awkwardly stood there. <laughs> but when somebody took the time to also look them in the eyes and acknowledge their pain and loss as Jackson's siblings, um, it wasn't you know, only helpful to them but also to Eric and me. And um, one of our biggest worries and still is is just how will this affect our surviving children because even though people say that losing a child is everyone's worst nightmare, um, when a home is touched by death, it's it's beyond horrific for the siblings, too, and the whole family. Um, everyone's world is turned upside down. Um, not only do they lose their sibling and have so much to grieve themselves, like with our kids, um, they never knew life without their big brother. And, you know, you had so much of your life with your baby brother, and the whole order of the family just gets out of whack. Um so what did grieving look like for you as Eric's sister, and um, how did that fit into the grief um, for your family as a whole? Since we all live in different states, that probably helped out the process. So mm-hmm. I got attention because I live in a, a little town. My sister got attention because she was where she was. My parents got attention because yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. they were there where they were. Mm-hmm. Where it was hard was with my own family, and honestly, Steve and the kids, they didn't know what to do with me. I would Mm -hmm. be bawling Mm -hmm. at times, just sobbing. And they'd want me to stop crying. Yeah. And so I had to reassure them that it it was okay. This is this is a natural thing. I am going to break down and I'm going to cry. And I'm going to cry hard. And it's going to look to you guys like I am just never going to get better. Mm -hmm. But this is what's making me better. And I think that helped them a heck of a lot just to be able to relate to me. I communicated with them the best that I could to help them to understand how I was grieving. Mm -hmm. So I had to walk them through Mm -hmm. my grief because honestly, again, they had no idea Mm -hmm. what to do with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's been 12 years. It's been 12 years. So that's kind of what it looked like, I'm guessing, at the beginning. Um, Initially, I don't know for how long, but how has your grief changed over the years? I mean... How do you think about his death and your loss now as compared to those early years? I don't cry as much, mm-hmm. but I still think about him every single day. And I wonder what life would be like yeah. if he were still here. Yeah. And I think about him watching my kids grow up and I'm watching his kids grow up and I'm thinking about what mm-hmm. he what he's missing. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's got he's got two kids that are in high school. He's got one that's in college. She just got mm-hmm. in, accepted into the, or just passed her nursing exam to get mm-hmm. into nursing school mm-hmm. and he's missing out. Yeah. And so I, I feel so bad about mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. And some years are easier than others. Some, sometimes the day will come upon me and I'll be like, Oh wow. It was, it was his birthday. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, then I'll remember and I'll, I'll have a, a, a time of prayer just praying for the family mm-hmm. because I know it's hard on the family. This year, uh, year 11, eh, wasn't too bad. Year 12, mm-hmm. for some reason, it, it hit me harder. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Right. I think that we are complex, emotional human beings yeah. and we have no idea right. when things are going to hit. No, no. And that's, that's part of the unsettling part of grief, right? It's not predictable. It's not, there's not a certain pattern that we all follow. Um, that's what part of what makes it so difficult is just we never know 
what each year is going to hold. Um, but not only does grief change over the years, but grief changes us just even as people. So how are you different because of what you've walked through with your family and because of Eric's death? Two years ago, we lost my father-in-law. Three years ago, we lost my father. And I was very sad Mm -hmm. to see them go. But it was really, really different since I've lost Mm -hmm. my brother. Mm -hmm. Losing my my dad and losing my father-in-law, that's more of a natural progression. Mm -hmm. And they weren't very old. My my dad was 74 and my father-in-law was 78. So not very old. But Mm -hmm. they lived their life. Mm -hmm. And my brother was 35. It, it has helped me look at death differently. It's yeah. helped me. I, if I hadn't have lost my brother, I think I probably would have been a mess. Mm-hmm. But I was able to handle it a lot better because of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I asked, I asked my friend Kathy on an earlier episode about healing. Um, it's encouraging, you know, as Christians to read in the Bible about the healing that God can bring. And, of course, the greatest healing that we need and that he provides is the forgiveness of our sins. Um, but when we're hurt and broken and sad and grieving, Um, God is there and he sends his people, other Christians to bring healing and comfort and um, prayer is healing, tears are healing, the passing of time to a degree, not always, but it can have the potential to bring some healing um, and it's comforting to read things in the Bible like God binds up our wounds and he heals the brokenhearted. Um, And yet it also seems like we'll have a level of sadness and grief and missing and aching um, until this life on earth is over. Uh, do you agree with that? What, what are you, what are your thoughts on healing and what does healing look like for you? I agree completely with that. Mm-hmm. The first several days, it was all I could do is to get up and take a shower. Mm-hmm. It was hard to move, but I had to focus on eternity. And I think that has, that's what's happened with my brother mm-hmm. dying. Mm-hmm. I looked forward to eternity, but of course I'm like everyone else. I wanted to raise my kids. I wanted to have grandkids et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. After he died, I started looking around and seeing this broken, broken mm-hmm. world with so much mm-hmm. pain. Yeah. And I thought, why would I want to be here when I know what's ahead? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I love, love, love the book of James. I had a great youth mm-hmm. pastor as a kid and his wife had memorized the book of James. Mm-hmm. And I remember in Sunday school one time she recited it. So it's always been a favorite, but James 1, 1, 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, for the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And Mm. I decided I want to be the one who perseveres. And that, for me, just getting up and taking a shower, that was persevering. Mm -hmm. Each Mm -hmm. day is going to look different because I'm going to possibly have a different trial. Mm I might have a day where there everything goes smoothly, and so I might move more rapidly, get more things done, mm-hmm. do more things for the Lord. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I want to persevere in whatever God lays out for me. Mm-hmm. And that, that is evidence of God's healing and God being at work um, through these trials. You're right, Paige. I, I've been reading in James every morning this, uh, this week and um, been reminded of some of those same truths too. And it's kind of what I've said. I said it on one of the earlier episodes that there does come a point where you just kind of feel like, do I want to run away from God or run towards him and persevere in this faith, knowing that this isn't all that there is. And, um, and I think that is, that is what healing looks like, especially as a believer. Um, 
Well, it's you mentioned it before about um, birthdays, um, but it's just it's hard to know what to do on the birthdays and the death days of our loved ones when when they're no longer here with us. And I didn't fully understand that until Jackson died. And I think it's hard for others to sometimes understand it, which I get. But I've talked to so many people who have lost a loved one and dates just really seem to matter. Um, so do you do something special on those days or is it different every year? How do you how do you er- honor Eric's life or How do you remember the day that he died and how has it changed over the years? Just kind of how do you handle dates? I make sure that I contact or I am contacted by all the family members. My kids are so good about reaching out to me Mm -hmm. and asking, are you okay, mom? Hmm. Are you okay with today? Anything that we can do for Mm -hmm. you? Um, I definitely reach out to my nephews and my niece. Mm -hmm. I first want to make sure they're okay. They lost their daddy Mm -hmm. and I think it's probably harder on them mm-hmm. than it is on me. Mm-hmm. And I make sure, I, since my dad is gone now, I make sure that I reach out to my mm-hmm. mom. My brother and I did have, a, we went on vacation in Clearwater one time, and there was a special drink that both he and I had. Mm-hmm. And so on his birthday, I do drink that mm-hmm. special drink, and I just mm-hmm. remember him, and mm-hmm. I reflect back on the wonderful memories that I had of him. Yeah. Has it taken a while to get to that place where you can do that, or did... What does that look like over the years? I mean, what did you do on his first birthday when he wasn't here compared to now? Spent the day bawling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, there's no right or wrong. That's what I've learned too. And one of the things we've talked about is do we want to do the same thing every year or do we want the freedom to just see how we feel when it gets to that year? Um, yeah. It's such a conflicting day it is Such, it is if you so knew hard. ahead of time how you were going to feel it'd make it a lot easier yeah mm-hmm. yeah well every conversation that I've had here on the podcast has been a reminder that this world is broken and that hard things will happen um, even to people who love the Lord and are following him with their whole heart um, and I've talked a number of times about the both ands in life and the both ands of the Christian faith and Things like God is taking care of and comforting me, and I've just never experienced this much pain or felt this alone. It's the both and the and. And I've just realized that for me, looking at life with this lens uh, tends to bring more peace than living with an either or mindset, because as tempting as it can be to say something like, God must not be good to have allowed this to happen. um, As Christians, we just know that can't be true. Um, there's just too much evidence that God is good and that if we believe the Bible to be true, we have to trust um, in his kindness and his grace and his mercy. So I'm just wondering, have you wrestled over the years with God being good and loving and sovereign and also having to experience hard things like your brother's death and other kinds of brokenness in this world? I, I know that's a really big question, but what kind of thoughts do you have on that? I honestly think that if I didn't walk through with my friends losing their brothers, I'd be in a completely different place. Mm-hmm. And I might have questioned God. And I think probably I questioned God during those times and not when my own brother died, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. looking back. because. But God wants us to be honest with him. He's yeah. okay with, him, with us questioning him. Mm-hmm. He's all right with that. Mm-hmm. He wants us to tell him. We have to tell him. Mm-hmm. I did become more aware, as I mentioned before, of how broken this world really is. And it's caused me to depend on him even more so I can make it through the days. Mm-hmm. I'm still a work in progress on mm-hmm. this. I've got a long yeah. way to go yeah. because my personality is to control circumstances and situations. But 
I am realizing there are so many things mm-hmm. in this life that we can't control. Mm-hmm. And it's not ours to control. No. It's up to our creator. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with this podcast being called Fighting for Joy, and we've already talked a little bit about how serious your fight for joy has had to be over the years, but what would you say are some great enemies for you um, in fighting for joy? What what steals your joy um, either now or just over the past few years? Busyness for me. Mm-hmm. I am a workaholic and I get so busy with work. Mm-hmm which mm-hmm. creates conflict at home. Quality mm-hmm. time is Steve's love language. <laughs> and if I'm working all the time, mm-hmm. I can't have that quality time with him. Mm-hmm. I've I've had seven Anytime Fitness gyms in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm down to two, but I'm still really, really busy. I find things mm-hmm. to fill my time. And it robs me of my joy because of the conflict that it creates at home. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, how do you practically fight that then during the course of a normal week? What are some tools that you use or is there a specific passage of scripture or or what do you do to fight that when you're tempted to, um, to fall into the busyness or to use the busyness? Um, and then you see that it's robbing you of joy. The way that I fight the busyness is I stop and I listen to my husband. If he is telling me I'm not spending enough time with him and he wants me to slow down, I need to honor that. So mm-hmm. he is my true barometer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on that. And I'm getting that from him right now. Mm-hmm. So I know that I need to take a look at my schedule, take a look at my life yeah. and back off. Yeah. Um, I want to circle back to um, to your dad um, and your even your father-in-law and just um, their natural progression of death um, versus... Um, Eric's sudden and and unexpected and tragic death. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Just how you've processed those two different types of death? I often wondered, and I'll I'll add another dimension to that. I've often wondered if Eric would have died, how my dad died. He died of myodysplastic syndrome, so he had a blood cancer. And so we watched him die over a nine-month period, Hmm. whereas Eric was taken so suddenly and so violently, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I would have reacted differently because I, I can't compare mm-hmm. my brother and my dad mm-hmm. because of the natural progression. That's it's really right. hard in my mind to, yeah. to connect those two. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Well, one of the things that I really admire about you, Paige, and one of the ways that you really helped me um, is your commitment to prayer. And you just take prayer seriously. You pray for others, um, and you also reach out to ask for prayer, which I love because I think that shows that you believe in its power, and it shows that you recognize your need for others to come alongside and cry out to the Lord with you and for you. And I'm just wondering what you've learned about prayer over the years, of course related to Eric's death, but also through the other ups and downs in life. Um, What does your prayer life look like? I do have a specific prayer time. Oftentimes it's in the car. I'm going to be honest. I spend some time on the road driving to my Pender Nebraska club. It takes about a half an hour. So I spend a good amount of time listening to music or, or praying. And, but that's not it. I mean, I, I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm in a conversation with God all Mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. He's just, he's just there. He's, he's Mm -hmm. there. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just continually talking to him. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, just as a side note for our listeners, I mean, friendships really do grow deep when you pray for each other. And I feel like that was key in 
um, in our connection was just your continual asking um, for specific things to pray for. Because then when those specific things were answered or not answered or God kind of had a different plan or a different response, then I could, you know, go circle back with you and... Um, it was just a really um, a special bonding thing to know that someone cared about the details. I remember when I couldn't sleep or I remember when a certain fear was creeping in or um, and just your faithfulness in praying for specifics. Thank you. I learned that a long time ago because mm-hmm. when someone would say, I'm going to pray for you, I wanted to ask them, well, what are you, what are you going to pray? <laughs> yeah, do you <laughs> want I, some can ideas? I tell you what right. to pray? Yeah. And so I've, I've learned from that. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, that's what I would I would want. And mm-hmm. I would want somebody to walk away and pray what I wanted them to yeah. pray yeah. or whatever God's going to lay on their heart. Mm-hmm. And I always pray what God mm-hmm. has laid on my heart. He brings some pretty crazy things to my mind, but I pray for them because that's mm-hmm. what he's told me to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like to ask people for mm-hmm. specifics and then walk away. And right then I'll pray. And oftentimes if someone says, will you, will you pray for me? I don't want to walk away. Okay, let's stop and do mm-hmm. that right mm-hmm. now. Let's yeah. get this, let's get this taken care yeah. of. Yeah. Oh, it just means so, so much. Yeah. Well, I've learned a lot, like I said, from you about all of that. Um, I've also learned from you just the importance of putting scripture right in front of me. Um, I remember one of a very simple but profound gift was you gave me some um, index cards that had Bible verses on it. And I put them up in my car, I put them on my mirror. And, and I just thought, man, what a simple but such a helpful gift. And there's so many things that we think to do, what should I do for this person who's hurting? Or what should I do, you know, for this broken situation, and I want to help this family or this friend. I mean, that's, that is, was one of the most special gifts because it's God's word. It's, um, in a way that I can, I can put it right up there and look at it while I was waiting in the carpool line or, um, or whatever. And so thank you for that. And thank you for letting me grieve, letting me be sad, letting me be raw, but also quietly and gently and hopefully, um, pointing me to, to truth and to God's word. And I do hope that you share that gift of scripture cards with someone else because mm-hmm. that was shared I with have. me and yeah, that meant so much to me, me that too. I thought it's got to mean some, yeah. something to someone else yeah. too. Yeah, me too. I have I have shared that with a number of people. I've done it, but I've also suggested it when people have asked what, um, what was something that was really helpful. So, well, you already mentioned about uh, work and your busyness there at work. Um, you have a lot of plate spinning at any given day. <laughs> I mean, I know you fall into busyness, but you are just a busy lady. I mean, you're you're a business owner. You run, like you said, the Anytime Fitness businesses. You're a fitness trainer. Um, You do a lot in your community. Um, I know you work with your husband and your sons at the Peterson auction business. I mean, what else? What am I missing that you do? Oh, just a few other things. (laughs) It's no big deal. Well, you have a lot going on. um, And there's got to be times when you're just exhausted and the fight for joy becomes a little more real um, in the day to day. So how do you recharge? How do you feel restored? in the midst of just a really full and busy schedule and just what do you do when you're completely stressed out? I know this is going to sound really weird, but I work out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. obviously because I own gyms, that is definitely a stress reliever for me if I can mm-hmm. just go in and get a great workout in. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite things to do is to be at home mm-hmm. and cleaning and listening to a podcast mm-hmm. or a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we too. have lots of windows in our house and I love looking at nature. We are fortunate to live on a on a hill so we can see very very far away and it's 
it's so pretty mm-hmm. and I love watching the sunsets. It gives me a sense of peace mm-hmm. in this chaotic world. Mm-hmm. I can see that. And I love when you post pictures. I love when you share that, um, the view and the, and the peace and the beauty um, of your home. And, um, and I can see that that would be a really great way to, to be restored. Well, as I've mentioned on other episodes, um, sometimes when people walk through something difficult, um, it can lead them down a different path in life or redirect their time and their energy, like I have said that this podcast is doing for me. Um, I'm just wondering, is there a tie to your fitness businesses and your brother, Eric? Um, Did his death have something to do with this particular direction that your life has taken or was starting this business venture just more of a a result of kind of seeing a need in your community or what, what got you started with Anytime Fitness? I don't think I would have owned any gyms, though fitness has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. He owned a a fitness center when he died, and I feel like it's a way that I can carry on his legacy. I don't think I saw it that way when I first started, Mm -hmm. but I'm seeing that Hmm. this is just a neat thing that I can do for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that starting these businesses have... Uh, made the communities better Um, and I know that you're a help and an inspiration to so many um, Paige and that kind of leads me into our last few questions Um, and the first one is just in your day-to-day life and your fight for joy who inspires you or what brings you inspiration people inspire me Mm -hmm. they really do Mm -hmm. I've been able to manage my pender club for the last two or three months here Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. it's something that I will continue Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. I love helping people get healthy mm-hmm. but then of course there's a spiritual impact I'm hoping to I'm hoping that they see the love of Jesus mm-hmm. through me mm-hmm. and I have times because they come in to work out sometimes they might be the only one in the gym mm-hmm. so I've been able to share with them about my faith and mm-hmm. I want to use my businesses as a ministry platform mm-hmm. and I know you do Paige and that is so special um You've been married to Steve for over 30 years. You said 32 years, right? Yes. Um, And you guys have experienced the ups and downs of life for sure. I mean, so many joys and so many sorrows. So what has helped you to fight for joy in marriage? Communication. We have to keep communicating. We have valleys. We have mountains just Mm -hmm. like everyone else. And sometimes those valleys are really low. Mm -hmm. And I know he looks at me in the morning sometimes and says... (laughs) Really? You again? And it, but, but he stays. But mm-hmm. he stays. No, honestly, we are very, very much in love. Mm-hmm. But it's because we've worked on our relationship. Mm-hmm. We communicate. We travel a lot together. Mm-hmm. I want to speak his love language. Quality time is his love mm-hmm. language. Mine is words. So he tries to give me good mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. to encourage me. And over the years with the trials, our bond has just grown closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he is such a kind, special man. He really is a, he a is. wonderful man. Um, what about fighting for joy, uh, with adult children? You mentioned all, all four of your kids are adults now. Um, what is that like? I mentioned before I'm controlling, (laughs) so that makes it very, very difficult for them. Sometimes they have to say, just back off. Mm -hmm. Believe when I was young, when we had younger kids, I thought, oh, I'll be done parenting when they leave the house. That is so not the truth. You are still Mm -hmm. parenting them. You're not making their decisions for them, though you want to. Mm -hmm. But you are still so intricately involved Mm -hmm. in their lives. And Mm -hmm. they they all live fairly close, so it's pretty easy to do that. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I would say is be on your knees constantly Mm -hmm. 
for your kids. Mm-hmm. That is the best gift that you can give them. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I've I've talked to that many friends about that, about how teenagers have caused me to pray like um, I've never prayed before. And I've been hearing that from people who are just a season ahead like you are with young adults um, and, and still parenting um, in that season that the prayer just needs to continue and right. even more so. <laughs> well, we've been talking about heavy things, Paige, and, and the deeper fight for joy. So I would love to just hear about some simple joys in your life. What are, what are you loving right now? I'm going to be a grandma. I know. That's the best. <laughs> because that is, that's, I mean, it's a simple joy, but it's a huge, big blessing for your family. Oh, we are all so, so excited. Happy for Our you. whole family is so excited. Yeah. Well, I could keep talking and talking to you, and I knew this would probably end up being a longer episode. Um, so thank you for sharing. And and as I've said to you before, as we were preparing, um, there's just power in telling our stories and freedom in sharing our stories and hope to be shared. And I'm just so grateful for your willingness to tell some of your story today. Um, God really has redeemed it in some beautiful ways. And because of what you've walked through, you in turn have comforted and helped me, as I said. And I know you've done that for many others too. And I really believe it's kind of what one of the things you're known for, Paige. And so I thought I would end the podcast by reading from Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, which talks about this very thing. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort others in their affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. And I love the message uh, translation version version two, which um, says, All praise to God, the Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside of us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us along someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. And that is what God has done for me through you, Paige. You have comforted me with the comfort that you have been given by God. And as a result, you have taught me and showed me how to do this for others as well. So I'm thankful to God and I'm thankful to you. Thank you, Jody. I love you. Love you too, Paige. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.